0: Teresa, is Nick right? I mean, is it hard to be a a new person to designer toys and find that uh, community of friends and people just discuss and introduce the world of designer toys to you?
1: Do you feel like if people came over and were interested that a lot of the way people comment and talk about Funko will turn people off? Like, does it turn you off at, at all? Like Vin, My Plastic Heart, he gives me a heart attack all the time because <laughs> things, a lot of times he just puts stuff up. You have that oh shit moment.
2: Hey toy family, I'm vid of My Plastic Heart, and you are listening to the Marsham Toy Hour,
0: where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. <sighs> and where's George, Teresa?
1: I don't know. So he was on his uh, little uh, G-Con trip. Did I say that right? G-Con? G-Con, yeah. He went out to
0: New York for a couple of weeks, spent some time with the Four Horsemen. But he got back today. He sent a text, let me know when we're recording.
1: And where and is And we it? did. I don't know. But you know... This has happened before and we've waited and it bit us in the butt. So we decided, <laughs> sorry, George, we're not giving you a ton of time. We're just going to start. <laughs>
0: it's either two things. He's in the back of target where you can't get phone reception or he's in yes. Jessica's claws.
1: I'm sure it's Jess. Sorry, Jess, but he just got home from a trip. She's probably all, Oh, come be with me. I miss."
0: <laughs> she misses her boy.
1: So, I get it. But, so but hey, fun, I think they're getting married. Wow, like in a couple weeks, right? Like two less than two weeks?
0: Eight, 18, 18. And I haven't received my 18. wedding invitation of you.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Jeez. Uh, we don't even make the wedding list. What losers. I like, are you actually oh. talking to me now?
1: For now. I'm doing this for Nick. <laughs> so, Nick, what you don't realize is. I'm back in the anti-Gary Ham club right now. Big time.
0: I got the cold shoulder all day, Nick. This is like, yeah. I woke up to a text. I responded. She didn't like the text. Gave me the cold shoulder all day. And I, this is actually the first time I'm hearing from her today.
3: Oh, that's why she sounded so crabby the first time she got on.
0: I think she was just tired. Yeah. But <laughs>
1: No. Damn. Okay. No. no. And we didn't even really fully introduce our guest. We're just popping him in. But no, Gary, you have a really bad habit of insulting my toy purchases. And it has to stop. You have a very bad habit of it. You're like, oh, that's ugly. Oh, why'd you buy that? It's like, no, Gary, I stop it. I've done it once or twice. You did it this morning. And I had an, I woke up and I was like, "No." Nope. I'm done with you for today. And I really actually committed to it. Oh, you're you all. We, oh, day. yeah.
0: No, I was sending her questions throughout the day, Nick, to kind of feel her out and got nothing in return. Nothing. Wow. It was ch- a chilly, chilly day in Arizona. Ooh. <laughs> you deserve a
1: little, little cold <laughs> shoulder. But we should probably actually introduce our guest properly, Gary. So explain who this Nick is that we're <laughs>
0: So this is a collector edition of the Marcian Toy Hour, and what we do on the collector edition, we invite a collector on and get to know them, what they collect, why they collect, when they got into collecting, and all that good stuff. So joining us this episode is Nick Aliotta. He is, well, let's find out what kind of collector. Welcome, Nick.
3: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on.
0: You're welcome. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Did, did I say Nick correctly?
3: Yeah, it's, it's a hard <laughs> K, so you gotta, you Nick. did that really well. Yeah. What Definitely. about Aliota? Yeah, it's good good enough. It's close enough.
1: What is it really?
3: It's Aliota.
1: I had a 50 50 shot and I did it wrong every time. Yeah, you no. biffed it. Ali instead of Ali?
3: Yes, correct.
0: Okay. All right, so Mr. Aliota, where are you living now? I know you've been moving a lot, and so where are you living now?
3: Currently, I'm in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. So I'm born and raised. Uh, Wisconsin Milwaukee area Um, Uh after college I went out to New England uh, Maine and New Hampshire Um, did a little work out there met my wife who is from Arizona moved to Arizona um, after a few years lived out there for a while had some kids it got a little too hot so we moved back to Wisconsin
0: I get that so I first knew you when you were in Arizona but we met through actually I think we met through this podcast actually I think you started commenting on some of the Episodes and stuff like that, and I learned you're in Phoenix, and we got to talking, and then here we are.
3: Yeah, yeah, actually, I'm friends with your brother, so he was the one who turned me on to you know the podcast. So I got listening and got chatting, and that was my foray into the full blown world of designer toys.
0: Okay, so you mentioned my brother, for, for anyone yes. who's not familiar, my brother, my twin brother Greg, he, he's a designer at Funko. So if you knew Greg before you knew me, I'm assuming, or I already know the answer, that. Before you got into designer toys, you were actually uh, a Funko
3: collector. Yeah, I I wasn't, still am, (laughs) (laughs) dun-dun-dun. But, uh, yeah, uh, when Greg first came on to Funko, he designed essentially one of my favorite Star Wars characters in a form. and uh, when that got posted up, I found out he was the artist. and kind of struck up a conversation with him about that and it kind of led to us becoming internet friends and then we met at San Diego and you know he turned me on to your podcast and here we are today. So
0: did you always collect toys in general or did you start collecting once you discovered Funko?
3: No from as long as I remember I've always collected something. I was that kid who had friends whose parents bought them two of each Star Wars action figure one to open and want to keep in the package. So I don't know I anyone
0: got... who had parents that did that. Yeah, uh, that's
2: crazy. You know, so
3: I don't know if that's what it stems from or what, but I've always collected something. And for a long time in my adult life, it was mint on card action figures, whether it was, you know, Star Wars Black or Marvel Legends or Masters of the Universe or whatever. But that was kind of unsatisfying to collect. It was kind of like I bought it. It was like, cool. And then put it in a closet. And that was kind of the end of it. So when I was looking to kind of do more of a display, Kid Robot was something that was kind of on my radar. I bought some early Kid Robot pieces. Well, not early, but earlier Kid Robot pieces. But it was always pop culture related. So Futurama, that okay. type of thing. So I had some of those. Then Funko started coming out with more and more things. And something that really appealed to me with Funko is that their boxes weren't sealed. And I could take the toy out and the box integrity would maintain the same. And for a mint on card inbox action figure collector, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just kind of something that, you know, these vinyl figures that went with, whether it be comic books that I had or whatever, they were just fun to display. And then, you know, I kind of discovered the community and it kind of took off from there and then from there kind of opened up to other things
0: which community are we talking about the funko community
3: yeah funko community okay. um you know fanatic forum that type of thing but then i guess that inevitably led me to designer toys because then funko led me to talk to greg greg led me to your podcast your podcast led me to designer toys and here we are you know the true funko. designer toys yeah like
1: artists it's so, yeah, crazy to me because i figured you found designer toys just through whatever through collecting i didn't realize it was this podcast that actually got you into it that's oh cool.
3: yeah Every piece that I own was mentioned or brought up on this podcast. See, <laughs> it's...
0: Cool. We're, we're influential. We're, we're, <laughs> ma- we're having an impact. We're bringing in new eyes and new new money to the scene.
1: Yeah, right? we did it. Every, we should start getting paid sponsorships for the toys we leak and sneak,
0: Gary. We should, because not only do I know for a fact. Since Nick has been turned on to our podcast, he spread the word to all of his Funko friends and they're also listening and they're getting into designer toys too, right Nick?
3: Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> there is a in-minute part of the community that does collect designer toys as well, but I mean you think of the Funko community, it's community, I use that word loosely because it's definitely morphed over the last few years to much larger thing than it was only a couple of years ago and now You've got a lot of the reselling and that type of thing going on, which doesn't seem to be so prevalent in the uh, designer toy community. I kind of find myself retreating there a little bit more, just because it's a little more niche, still, still underground, as, yeah. as they say.
0: I guess if you started collecting designer toys through the through this podcast, we've been doing this almost two and a half years now, so you've been collecting just over two years. So, what is it that yep. you're collecting, like the designer toys? Any like particular artists, or are you kind of all over the place, or what are you collecting?
3: Yeah, usually I stick to an artist. Every once in a while, there'll be things that pop up that are kind of outside of my realm. But I I love them and I gotta have them. Um, the big one is freaking Gary Ham. Unfortunately, oh. I collect a lot of uh, what you do, <laughs> even though you haven't come out with anything, you know, in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like a backhanded compliment. Um, no. Yeah. So I have a, you know a bunch of the Whooper Loopers. You know, a bunch of your stuff, Hermes.
0: Wow, Hermes. I mean, that toy's almost eight years old now, so going that far back, and it's, you know, whooper-loopers too, those are generally old too. So being a new collector to the scene and having to backtrack a lot of the toys that have already sold out, how are you getting those? Are you, you're not, you know, probably knowledgeable enough to know about all the buy-sell trade groups and stuff within the community? Are you primarily using probably something like, uh, like an eBay to track down old toys?
3: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's a lot of monitoring eBay. Luckily, I was fortunate enough to find a really awesome collector who was selling a lot of whooper loopers. So I came into some through that. Um, Otherwise, it's just, you know, I have my safe searches and check them frequently and see if anything new pops up. So.
1: I, it's funny because I don't think, you know, I'm probably in the same boat as you, Nick. I, There's still older pieces, even whooper loopers is an example that I haven't gotten my hands on, and they don't pop up often. It's not like Funko or even certain designer toys that are hot right now. You just have to kind of wait and get lucky yep. sometimes. So I get it. Saved eBay searches are important and perusing buy, sell, trade and just hoping someone decides, hey... I don't want this anymore. And you're like, okay, cool. I'll take it.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: Is eBay kind of been a, a main portal for you to be able to get a hold of older pieces?
3: Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I'm a part of the the secret waffle group. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so every once in a while that stuff comes up on there. But that's mostly newer stuff, it seems, lately. Um, yes. Kid Robot Buy, Sell, Trade, every once in a while stuff will pop up there. I think I bought my Halloween Whooper Looper from somebody off of that group. Oh, nice! Um, every once in a while, something will pop up on there, but it seems like eBay is the best best bet here.
1: It's de- it's definitely a sure bet. It's it's kind of can be obviously uh, iffy from a price perspective, sure. Because a lot of people use eBay and list stuff way above retail, but I get it. I obviously still buy stuff off eBay too. So the Kid Robot Group honestly has morphed a bit because. That group's been around for a while and I've been in that group since it was under a thousand members and it's over four at this point. And I mm-hmm. think it's because Kid Robot has really expanded into the license world. So there's a lot of people joining the group from that perspective. And it's weird because back in the day, while it said Kid Robot buy sell trade, it really was a Facebook alternative to the Kid Robot forums, sure. which meant You know, anything and everything designer toy, really. And then over time, I think people are seeing Kid Robot in the name. And therefore, which makes sense, it's a Kid Robot group. And so I found that over time, that group has really become a lot more Kid Robot focused, especially a lot of the licensed stuff and a lot less of designer toys. So I haven't really seen as much pop in that group as we as it used to right mean, i'll agree with you so, either, but i
0: don't know nick when you first got started into collecting you said you got pulled in, into the collecting through pop culture related stuff stuff that was already relatable to you but now that you're starting in the designer toys and you're starting to see things that don't really they're not based on any license a lot of the stuff is based on a, a painting or original ideas original ips or things are just being self-produced creators are making things that they that they want to make so what's the big difference there for you? Because you used to collect stuff that – or you still do collect stuff that has very wide market appeal, you know, world-renowned sort of stuff, but to also now collecting stuff that's a lot more niche to where maybe only a few thousand people know what it is.
3: Yeah, I mean it's polar opposites. My, I get my pop culture fix from Funko. That's the type of style that I want for that. those type of toys. When I look at designer toys, I want single artist-run toy production. I mean – not, not that there's anything wrong with the Kid Robot stuff, because I do have a good amount of that. But again, that's the, the artist-run stuff with Kid Robot, not the licensed stuff. So um, I want the more of the, you know, quote-unquote art pieces for right. my designer toys rather than like a Rick and Morty statue or family guy, whatever, you know, what that type of thing. Like I said, I get that from Funko, so I don't need another avenue for that. So I like designer toys for more of the kind of unique, kind of off-the-cuff stuff.
0: Right. So what kind of differences are you noticing between the two different communities? I mean, one being the Funko fanatics versus the designer toy scene.
3: Uh, I, th- I think the designer toy world's a little more quiet than Funko. I mean, there's a lot of chatter that happens in Funko because you have so many so many avenues. Like, you've got the, the message boards, which I really like because it's kind of a safe haven. Not a lot of negative stuff gets said. People don't go there to complain or anything like that. It's kind of more of a community building site. Nobody's really buy, sell trading. So it's just more conversations with people rather than, you know, trying to sell this thing so I can buy this thing, you know, Facebook and Instagram or whatever is the avenue for that with Funko, whereas designer toys, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of difficult. I haven't really found a great kind of avenue like that. I mean, I listen to the podcast and I'm a part of the Facebook groups, but as, as far as you know, kind of like a community of friends. Like I don't I don't see that a whole lot. And like I said, I'm new so I don't maybe I don't I, I don't know where to look, but that's kinda of what I see.
0: Right. I mean honestly Nick it's not on you. I hate to say it, but I think it's more on us as a community and that's that's why we're doing this podcast. That's why we started the stomping ground. We wanted to get more because you're right, there really isn't a place to go to—that's like a community that, like you have at Funko. We just don't have that anymore. It used to be the Kid Robot forums many, many, many years ago, but that forum's pretty much dead and non-existent at this point. I mean, it's a ghost town, and and a lot of that happened because of. Immaturity and negativity, but also because social media just became prominent, you know, Twitter and Instagram. And and Funko is just one company to follow. You know, it's just so much easier when the fan base can all just go to one location and everyone pretty much collects all different categories from the same company. It'd be like... You Know kind of like the you know the kid robot, if everyone was only in the kid robot, or you know, there's different course groups and unbox and instinct toy people like designer toys. There's just so many companies and so many different artists and so many different genres that people like to collect, it's really hard to have that one stop shop. And Teresa, is Nick right? I mean, is it hard to be a, a new person to designer toys and find that uh community of friends and people just discuss and introduce the world of designer toys to you? Because I'm starting to like. Th- yeah, I think he may, he might be right. I think I've taken it for granted. I've been in this toy scene for 14 plus years. I mean, I built the relationships and the friendships. So if I want to discuss or talk designer toys, I just text or email or you know, DM someone. I don't I'm starting to realize that yeah, maybe you know, the new people like Nick, there just isn't a place for them to really get into our community.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a good point cuz you know, most of the groups out there are trade. They're not really communities per se. And, we, yeah, there was the Kid Robot message boards or forums or whatever. But as far as I know, they're pretty much dead. No one's really using them. I know a lot of people did form friendships through that back in the day. But even when I came into the scene, it was not really being used very much. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like really to get to know people, going to events is, is kind of how I've really gotten closer to people probably secondary to that is Instagram. I started kind of posting photos of my toys, gosh, I don't even know, a couple years back. And I think through that, you know, you start to meet people that way. Um, and, you, you know, certain people will collect similar things. You know, might start chatting and DMing and Facebook Messenger and all that. But yeah, there's really not a community space like that, like the message boards Funko has. So I don't know, maybe we need that because it's a shame a bit that you have to attend events to really form those friendships. It'd be nice if there were a way to do it outside of that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can sure. think of websites like Tramped and stuff like that, where it's kind of a community building, like a, fo- almost like a forum, like a Facebook. But, you know, I, I just, I go there to look up toys, but I never use it as a community right. basis sort of thing. So I don't know. It's a good, it's a good point, Nick, because I feel it's hard to break into the scene or just develop relationships. I think
3: at this point it's, It's probably better because I feel like a lot of what happens with Funko and Funko collecting and people massing these huge collections is clout related. I mean, people want to show off what they have to the other community members and, I don't know, carry some kind of weight with it. Whereas Designer Toys, I am just buying what I like and that's the way you should collect, but that's not always the way people collect. And that's not always the way that I have collected. So it's not... All bad that there's not kind of that outlet, but that's kind of where I'm at. So, okay,
0: so when you're collecting it, do you feel like there's two sides of you? Because there's the Funko side of you where you're very you're, you're paying attention to, you mentioned, the limited edition sizes, um, you know, boxes and all that sort of stuff. I know a lot of the Funko collectors, they're very into their boxes. They buy a lot of cases for the boxes. You'll see walls of pop. Everything's in boxes in, in people's collections. So there's that perceived value that if you keep it in box, it's going to do really well. But... You mentioned when you started um, collecting designer toys, you're kind of only buying what you like. Is is that staying true with designer toys, or are you also paying attention to limited edition, what's in demand, who's in demand, what has a perceived value, and that sort of stuff?
3: So I, I used to be like that with Funko. I think just about everybody would be like that with you're chasing the rare pieces, you're getting prototypes, you're doing you know stuff that is exciting. But there comes a time where it's, and I've kind of crossed that bridge where I just buy what I like now, or acquire what I like. Like I'm not getting stuff that doesn't fit within my collection scope because I do like to display things, and I have a finite space to display it. <laughs> and same way with designer toys, I don't think I've ever been into the the hype scene with that type of thing. I I don't own any cosplay pieces. I you know, of course, I don't have any of that stuff. Like it's just you know, it's what I like, and that's fine. Yeah. If no one else does, it's kind of just but- where I'm at.
1: But you do seem, I think, to be aware of value and limits and all that pretty well. Like the, the Kill Cats, for example, I know you're into those. And, I mean, I think you're aware that they're limited and hard to get. And they, if you miss a sale, it's a pain in the ass because suddenly you have to pay three, four times retail to try to get it. Yep.
3: Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, I'm definitely aware of all that stuff. And, obviously, I collect the Ziki ice cream dinos, too. And that's, <laughs> you know, no easy feat to get those on Saturday mornings. <laughs> right. So, you kind of have to have your mindset right to get those, and you know I got a good system with that.
1: Don't do what I do and um, wake up at 10:30, 11, and realize you miss a sale.
3: <laughs> yeah. Or try to buy with <laughs> PayPal. Knock that off.
1: <laughs> yeah. But no, well, I was just gonna comment. I know you were saying. It was just two things. Tramped Gary has been through this like desire to do a redesign for God knows how many years, but. I'm hoping they'll finally do it because there is, I think, a goal to have a community aspect to it. So who knows? Maybe that will happen. The second thing, I mean, you were mentioning, Nick, there's this clout side of Funko and this desire to kind of show off that you they have so much. Mm-hmm. But And maybe you're just newer to the designer toys and haven't seen a lot of it. And I wouldn't say there's necessarily clout when it comes to numbers. But I think regardless of what you collect, people really are always going to want to like showing off their collection Regardless if it's Funko or designer toy, because I think those are, and honestly, I like it too. Those are some of my favorite threads when it's just like, hey, post your shelf displays and people go nuts. People just love to share and show off what they've been able to acquire. And those a lot of times will spark conversation too. So I think that's a pretty common thing uh, amongst just collectors in general. It's just. Liking to be able to show off and say, like, oh, look at this shelf. Look at this display. Look at this awesome thing I was able to find. So.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's part of being a, in a community. I mean, it's, it's I totally agree with you there. But where I'm trying to get at, it's like, for example, at Fun Days, they gave out to four tables at Fun Days. They gave out a gold hopper from Stranger Things Pop. And it is literally just the hopper pop manufactured gold. And people are selling it for, like, 2200 Dollars you know, dollars to $2,200? Yes. Oh, no. yeah, to, like, I mean, it's LE40. It's just, it's a, you know, that type of thing. That's more what I'm talking about. It's okay. uh, rare for the sake of being rare rather than gotcha. something you that you really like, you know.
0: Yeah, we definitely have that in our scene too, though. I've known some people to buy things that they don't necessarily like the piece, but they're buying because it's in high demand and because it's supposedly super rare. That happens. They want that golden goose egg and say that they have it.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Do you, do you see – so I mentioned the two different worlds that you're in. I mean do you look at – like do you display your Funko collection separately from your designer toys or do they share the same shelf space? Are they completely different? Like do you see designer toys as art toys and do you see Funko toys? I know a lot of people – we've been saying on the show forever that Funko is not trying to be a designer toy. They're not designer toys. Like they are separate. Sure. So do you you see them separate? Do you see that as a I don't know, I guess people would call them a mass market toy or a pop culture toy versus if you collect a Kill Cat, do you see that as an art toy or do you still just see a toy?
3: I mean, toy yes, but I think they're both collectibles. I think designer toys are more on the art side, especially like the artist-driven, unique pieces. That's definitely more on the art side, but as far as like shelf displays like i have a shelf of food toys and there are definitely funko (laughs) and designer toys all on that shelf and you know to be a mass market toy that's i I mean yeah that's definitely where funko is going and probably already at but there's still a huge collectability of it and i think that's where that draws in and and relates to designer toys and it's all kind of about kind of finding something that speaks to you or whatever that you you know you see something and you're like oh man I have to have that
0: right
2: that's
3: kind of I get that feeling about Funko stuff and I get that feeling about designer toy stuff so
0: now here's a question for you and answer this however you like you're not completely ingrained into our scene where you're I don't think you've gone to a five points fest or like a a designer toy focused convention yet but you're you're a part of our group you listen to the podcast and I've, I've seen your collection you have amassed a pretty decent and sizable collection in, in a short period of time would you talk to people in our community i mean do you feel any animosity also being a funko collector is does, does that play any sort of role because i know that our scene is 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 hard on funko
2: yeah
3: yeah so do i you mean, feel
0: like you need to like lie in the shadows a little bit and don't let designer toy people know that you also collect funko uh,
3: i mean my type of personality i, I don't necessarily care that much i mean anybody who knows i I have an instagram account and anybody who follows my instagram account can see that i collect both and that i'm pretty ingrained in that funko community but at the same time i do have an affinity to designer toys i mean the you know negative connotation is definitely i mean i don't want to say it's one-sided but i don't hear people from funko complaining about designer toys or anything like that i think a lot of them are unaware. Of designer toys. And I think hopefully what Funko's trying to do is kind of bridge that gap with the Medicom collaboration with the designer toy booth. I mean I hope there's not too much negative feeling about them coming mm-hmm. to Decon because I I mean I assume there is, but
1: Well before we get to that though, real quick,
3: uh-huh.
1: um Do you talk, you know, like, I do agree with you that probably a lot of people in the Funko collecting scene probably don't know designer toys. But knowing kind of probably what you've seen, being a Funko collector in the designer toy scene, do you feel like if people came over and were interested that a lot of the way people comment and talk about Funko will turn people off? Like, does it turn you off at at all?
3: Yeah, at times. I mean, there's, like, the scenario, like, walking by, like, yesterday's, uh, the the, the enamel pin Uh, booth at san diego comic-con and they got a fuck no pin instead of funko you know it's just like stuff like that and then that ding dong on instagram who was called out a bunch of the funko artists for being sellouts and makes shirts or whatever and claims to be an ambassador for the designer toy community i know
0: who you're talking about it's like
3: come like come on like what like to say that funko artists are sellout or if you buy funko you're not supporting artists is ridiculous like you realize that artists create these their names may not be on the box but very talented artists these toys right so I I just don't get that it's it's a bit of a turnoff. but again I focus on because there are a lot of people in the Funko community that I would not want to associate with so I treat it just the same like I associate with the people that I want to associate with and I kind of try to block out the negative stuff as much as possible
1: there you go I like that attitude look at you positivity yeah I try to be <laughs> but yeah, Gary, I have a feeling you're gonna to want to get back to what he was talking about with Fun Days and all that. Fundays.
0: Okay, so Nick, you were actually at Fun Days, and anyone who's not familiar, Fun Days is the big annual event that Funko hosts for all the fanatics at San Diego Comic Con every year. It's, and it was live broadcast for the first time this year, and they had 3.5 million viewers. So during that live broadcast, um, Akashi, the founder of Metacom, announced that Metacom and Funko are gonna be collaborating on some stuff together. Funko is going to be there um, under the brand name Saturday Mornings, and they're going to be selling their cereal at a booth at DesignerCon and all that stuff. And Teresa mentioned on last week's episode, like, Gary, what percentage of people in that room do you think, A, even know what Medicom is, and B, what DesignerCon is? And, you know, Ben was kind of mentioning, like, once this broadcast goes out, that – you know, hotels might fill up fast and all that stuff. So Nick, what is from your perspective and what are you hearing on the Funko groups and all that sort of stuff? Can we expect a big flood of Funko collectors coming to DesignerCon this year?
3: Sure. Uh, I mean, anytime that Funko is, has a presence anywhere, you're going to have a big turnout. And part of that is the resale aspect of it, whether that's good or not. But at the same time, like anyone within driving distance of anaheim in november is gonna that as a funko collector or part of the funko community is probably gonna go to decon okay. it's it, it, it that's my opinion i guess and from a lot of what i've talked to you know my california and arizona and las vegas friends and it's like hell yeah like we're going to decon funko's got a booth there yes they're only selling cereal or whatever it is but you know that, that's our brand we support it you know you got a lot of loyal people in that community that anytime they're at a place, I mean, look at, I don't know if you heard what happened to the Funimations booth at San Diego comic con, but the thing had to shut down because they were selling a one Funko pop. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. the kind of draw that they bring. And it's unfortunate that a lot of that has to do with the retail value, but there are those loyal fanatics who hopefully this is going to draw in more because you've got the cereal and how the, the cereal is bringing a lot of nostalgia for people. Like you, you're charging 12 to $15 for a box of cereal and people are buying it without hesitation you know you get the toy you get amazing art by the Funko South team which that's why I like it it's an art piece to me and then you get breakfast cereal that's probably all right might stain your teeth but you would be all right (laughs) (laughs) so
1: do you think so it's great to hear this because honestly I I was just kind of I had no clue like I had no idea if if people would come or people were sitting in the room, just kind of like, you know, like deer in a headlights, like, I don't know what any of this is. Like, <laughs> Sure. I mean, you probably
3: had a lot of that just because, like I said, a lot of the community is kind of unawares of what yeah. Metacom is and Bear Bricks and that type of thing. But Bear Bricks is pretty well known throughout any kind of collecting community. That will, I think that will have its draw and those will do as well as any bricks release would do if not better, throwing the Funko name tied to it because then you're drawing in some people that wouldn't normally buy that are going to buy it because it has the Funko name on it. So,
1: do you think that the Funko collectors who would come would be okay with it being like non-pop things in the cereal? Like, is it just like just the fact that Funko makes it is that enough for them, or is the pop aspect? A big piece and therefore if they were to see if it was like a designer toy spin to it would it turn the funko collectors off
3: i don't think so again the people that are going to come out to decon are the ones who are going because they're supporting the brand and i think whatever they put out these people are going to buy so and hopefully that you know they're not just going to spend 10 minutes at the funko booth and saying see you later they're buying other designer toys as well i mean it'll to me, it, it should, and I think this was the plan, open up a lot of new people's eyes to, to the scene. So,
1: And that's, I think, what, what Gary and I were, were thinking and hoping as well, that if people buy a ticket to go in and see Funko, I mean, hopefully they don't just go for that one booth and leave. They actually are like, hey, well, I paid. I might as well walk around, see what's up, and check everything out.
3: Yeah, I believe. I mean, I think that's safe to say.
0: Are you going, Nick? <sighs>
3: Unfortunately, being located in the Midwest, I can only swing one out-of-town convention a year, and that's San Diego. So Why
0: San Diego? Everyone else is bailing on San Diego, and
3: yet you're still interested. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for designer toys, you, you are right. It's uh, it's few and far between, but there's just so much other fun stuff to do. I, I just have such I a agree. good time when I go out there. I've been going for five years now, so it's, it's something that's still still near and dear to my heart and obviously fun days happens and you've got fanatics from all over the world that come in to san diego so it's good to see and again that's that community part like i see my friends when i go out there that i don't get to see any other time of the year so that's part of the draw
1: yeah which makes total sense because that's the reason why i love going to five points of decon is being able to see and hang out so i totally get it and it, it makes sense for the things you collect and the things you like. For me, I've never been to San Diego, and so maybe I would love it just to experience it once,
2: mm-hmm. you know, to
1: be able to just see what it's like, because I've only heard and seen t- pictures and whatever. So one day it'd be nice to just go, just experience it. But for me, I agree. Like, I, again, I, you know, I only have certain budgets. The fact that I can swing two shows a year is, I'm very lucky that I'm able to do that. So
3: sure, yeah. um, I get it. <laughs> I mean, it's a pop culture convention, you know, the biggest one in the world, so that's the focus. So, unfortunately, very sadly, that's kind of, you know, you guys have two great conventions, and luckily that's been there kind of to replace the lack that San Diego was providing for the designer toy community, it seems. so.
0: Well, it was great for us for many years. I mean, it was awesome. Right. It was the convention for us, but then, yeah you know, designer con started getting larger and getting more attention and people started swing over to that. Now, now we got two state side conventions for that. And then all the great conventions overseas and whatnot. So yeah, we don't really need San Diego anymore, not for our community, but it's still great for kid robot and other companies who do sell pop culture related stuff to still yeah. attend that. I mean, this year I heard that I, were you there on Saturday when the kid robot was doing the San Rio?
3: Release? Yeah, I was kind of, I was there, I was luckily, on the other side of the convention, but I, I heard definitely that heard about got it.
0: insane, like, like almost like a riot atmosphere. Like, they were not yeah. prepared for, I don't know if it's the Flipper community, I don't know if it's just Sanrio fans. Like, I mean, you look at the audience, I saw a video on Instagram and it was pretty insane looking, and it it really did just look like middle-aged guys holding a riot to try to get whatever was going on at the Ken Robot booth that was I don't know exactly what was going on, but it didn't... I heard that things got out of control and it looked pretty crazy. And you also mentioned yeah. the Funimations booth. So the flipper atmosphere and the reseller atmosphere at at San Diego Comic-Con is insane. And I, I don't know how you dealt deal with it because I've dealt with it a, a few times. I had to try to go get like a Monster High doll for a friend and I waited in line for three days. And I, it frustrated me to no end to watch the lengths that flippers will go through to just be absolute... Pricks, to get whatever they want. And I I can't watch that anymore. That's one thing that really turned me off to to San Diego was that just that environment.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, that's definitely, I mean, at least 50% of the attendees there are flipping something. You know, that's kind of just how it goes. Um, This year was a little bit different because they had the online lottery system for all, well, the bigger exclusives. Um, So like the Funko booth, Hasbro booth, UCC, Lego, those type of big booths all had a lottery, so you would enter a lottery system, and, and whether you won or not, you got a time slot to go by at the booth. So that was interesting. It yeah. definitely made a change to the con. It was very, it was a different year, that's for sure. Um,
1: <laughs> just because. Did you, did you like yeah. it, or did you did did it help, or did it kind of annoy that you didn't even have a chance if you didn't win the lottery for a booth?
3: I mean, you could look at it that way, but the way I looked at it is like, I don't have to waste my time waiting in this line or doing, you know, X, Y, Z to get in this booth. So I kind of took it as a, as a win, you know, that I probably did more stuff this year than I have in any previous year, just because I didn't have to go. We used to go wait in a three and a half hour Lego line for the minifig giveaway out in the hot sun and every year we did that and we don't we didn't have to do that this year and it's just like just a lot of time was freed up like we didn't wait we didn't get up early at all we went out more at night like it was just a, it was a different kind of con for us this year and you know there was a lot of complaints about the lottery because it's like oh well you've got people entering that wouldn't put in the time to get that exclusive and it's yes that's the case but i don't know you also have an understaffed not being able to handle these ridiculous lines and like you said these flippers that do god knows what to get their monster high or their hello kitties or whatever they're doing over there so (laughs) yeah i don't know and like you said it's usually the people that are being rude and the people that are causing these problems are not the fans because you know it's usually the resellers that are the rude ones and feel entitled to what they're going after
0: we can hate them all as much as we want, but there's you know resellers and flippers. They're they're integral to our scene. They're the ones that create the hype and the demand. You know the false oh, demand God, for yeah. this sort of stuff. You know it's if we didn't have them, a lot of products would be sitting around. Look how popular Funko and Instinct Toy and Unbox and a lot of the other companies are today because they have that excitement and demand and, and the fear of things selling out. So, it, it, it all that stuff is really, really resellable right now. I think, you know, in the past the companies that had that sort of stuff was you know, one would have been Kid Robot and they I don't think they have that anymore now because they've gone made to more a more of a, a pre-sale type thing. So there's no fear of their product really selling out on you. And I think resellers probably are not as involved in picking up Kid Robot stuff anymore because why bother if you know anyone and everyone picked it up during pre order. There's no fear of just things dropping and that panic that sets in where you feel like you need to buy it that Friday or you're not going to get it. I don't know that kid right. robot has that anymore. Mm-hmm. And there, there is there is something to the hype and excitement of what the resellers can help generate. You, the, that, that panic that sits in, if you feel like if you don't buy it right now, you're going to miss on it, that's, that's powerful. Right.
1: There's... Uh... You, you, flippers, you hate them, but at the same time, I agree, it's like, uh, you don't want them to exist, but at the same time, you need them to exist in some way, because they are driving the hype and the desire for these things, and making them valuable, and making them sell out quick, and all that kind of stuff, so, Mm -hmm. while I hate it, at the same time, I get it, and, like, hype is important, I don't think things would sell as well if if they sat for a while. Like if there are certain toys that were to sit and sit and sit, people might start questioning, oh, do I need to be buying this? And I've seen that happen. Uh, Kid Robot is a good example. There's other things I've collected. I don't really want to necessarily call out names, but (laughs) there are things that used to be super hot, and you had to buy them, and they sell up super quick, and now they sit for weeks and months. And Mm. so it's like, I don't need to go buy that right away. I I have time to think. You know, and I think when that hype kind of dies in some ways, it can hurt you a bit. Hype's a thing. I mean, uh, Unbox surely has it, I'd say. Instinct Toy for sure as well. And there's as, plenty of it out there.
0: As a collector, does it affect you if it's like something you were after that you thought was going to sell out and it didn't? And four hours later, it's still sitting there. The next day, it's still sitting there. Does it seep into your mind that, uh oh? if other people are interested in it, I guess I'm sort of not into it as much anymore either. Where do you still buy it?
3: Uh, I mean, I, I, I've done that before. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely done that before. <laughs> I try not to anymore. I try, like I said, I try to only get the stuff I want, but you know, every once in a while, there'll be some kind of release where it's like, Oh man, this is going to be, this is going to be hot. And then all of a sudden it's not <laughs> It's there. And it's like, Oh God, did I want this? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, it happens. It's yeah. hard. It's hard. It's really, really hard because like and this is where hype gets crazy because I'm trying to formulate my words. Unbox, okay. Unbox has hype, but what's nice in a way, at least what they do, is they have planned sale times. So mm. at least you can kind of semi prepare, right? All right, I've got like a day at least to think if I want this thing and prepare to set my alarm and get on. But then, of course, there's the, oh, we put this online, like Vin, my plastic heart. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. He gives me a heart attack all the time because (laughs) he just puts things, a lot of times he just puts stuff up, right? You have that, oh, shit moment. You may have been looking at pictures and thinking about it, but then you see it and you're like, shit, I don't know if this is going to sell in two seconds or be up (laughs) for a while. And so you panic. You have like this panic moment. And I won't lie, there's been things I've bought in panic mode because I'm like, shit i really want this do i want this i think i want it crap i'll just buy it
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it, it, it happens and you know sometimes there's regrets shit maybe i shouldn't have done that and you know, look like, i even bought the luke chew prisoner you know the little teeny bears uh-huh. gary yeah i bought one of those because it, okay. in a moment it went up and i was like that's kind of cute do i want that i don't know it's pink and i was like shit i'll buy it <laughs>
0: That totally like, doesn't sound like you at all. I mean, I know right? they were kinda cute, but yeah, I, I would say you were influenced. It was just like,
1: right. Like in the moment I was, I'll get it. And then I got it and I'm like, why did I buy this? And so <laughs> I ended up just selling it, you know, I just resold it at retail and apparently it was a one of the it was the oxy pink one or something, Nick. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it, apparently one of the more rare limited ones. But I was like, I don't need this. Why did I do that? So I'm like, here someone buy it at retail (laughs) my bad but like it it definitely happens and it's hard too. especially we've talked before about colorways Gary you never know how many colorways are going to be made and you don't want to regret passing up colorway a hoping that there's a future colorway down the line that you like more so there's been times where I just really want the toy and I buy it and then a colorway comes down the line that you like anymore so you buy that and Suddenly, you have ten colorways of the same thing.
0: <laughs> how many how many dinos do you have, Teresa? Oh,
1: let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven dinos and one on the way.
3: Wow!
0: <laughs> and Nick, how many killcats do you have?
3: Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have five. Uh, I'm missing the strawberry because I put it in my cart and. Dinked around looking for other stuff on my plastic cart, and by the time I went to checkout, it was sold out. Oh, so on the other end, is a whole other issue. Oh, God. On the other end, yeah, the other wait end on something. Yes. you miss it. Oh, God.
1: I see those Zeke dinos at the beginning. I was like, I had bought one at Decon, I think it was Decon, and so they started putting some up for sale. and I was like, No, I just bought one, I just bought all this stuff. I don't need multiple. Like I'm good with my one. And then after the fact I was shit, maybe I do like those.
2: <laughs> yeah. And
1: so a lot of the dinos I have, I had to pay above retail to get because they're so popular right now and mm-hmm. I was dumb and s- sat on the sales and now I'm like shoot, I shouldn't have done that. So it- it's it's hard because when you've been through the regret guys, you try to be more cautious. But then you still have the moments where you don't buy and regret it. So it's a very hard thing to manage. I don't know if you deal with the same thing, Nick, but I feel like I'm constantly struggling with like where to buy and when to buy. And I always yep. end up buying. You know?
3: Yeah. My new thing is I, if I buy something, I'm, I think, do I have room to display this? Cause usually the answer is no. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's is, a lot that goes on in my head when I buy things or when I pass on something.
0: Is your wife ever I... in the like in the back of your mind?
3: Uh, Carrie, she, I don't is, want to talk about that.
0: Is, is, <laughs> is, is, is she a collector? Like, you
3: no. know, uh-uh. I, I've
0: known there, some relationships get in some hot trouble over collecting, especially in the Funko world. I've seen uh, oh, a wife yeah. serve her husband with a with a contract. He can always you know spend so much a month. He can only go to so many certain events. If he wants to buy like a certain item, he has to sell another item to get an item. So what we spend on our you know, collections, does your, how is your wife with your collecting? Is she supportive of it? Because I know you, she, you know you went out to San Diego for four or five days, and she probably held down the fort with the kids while you were off doing your collecting thing with your community and everything. So it sounds like she's pretty supportive.
3: Yeah, for the past two years, she went along with me too. So she was kind. Of, she doesn't collect. She she likes the pop culture stuff, but as far as the collecting goes, every once in a while I'll try to butter her up with some Disney stuff. But she's like, oh yeah, that's cool, and then kind of just like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, but it, it's a give and take kind of thing. As long as things don't slip at the house, or you know, I'm not. Scheming money so I can buy toys instead of doing, you know, what I should do as a husband. Uh, that's, right. It's usually fine. There's, I'd be lying if I would say there wasn't some arguments that have stemmed from it. But, you know, it's probably pretty typical with this kind of relationship.
0: Yeah, I would say it's pretty normal. Anyone who's dated or married to a collector and if they don't understand – Exactly why we spend or what we collect and all that other stuff. There's there's always little tiny little mini strife, but as long as they're understanding of it and supportive of it, that's that's all that matters. Um. So, but for anyone who does want to cause more strife in the relationship than they might currently have, we got several great sponsors for you. So. Head on over to strangecattoys.com, load up that cart, be sure to use our promo code Teresa at checkout, that's all one word, S-O-T-H-E-R-E-S-A, and you will receive 10% off your entire order. Again, it's strangecattoys.com, or there's also 3dretro.com, and 3dretro has a beautiful brick and mortar location out there in Southern California, so if in the, if you're in the area, be sure to check that out. And then for all your daily designer toy news and to stay up to date and current on everything, be sure to follow and like SpankyStokes.com and the toychronicle.com And if you're into applications for your phone and easy on-the-go news, be sure to download the Toy Chronicle app at any one of your favorite app stores. You're a listener of the show. Nick, do you think Teresa has a – is she an addict?
3: She says she's not. I'm more concerned about this keep blind box packaging. That's that's oh, borderline hoarding. <laughs> you know, we did a poll in the stomping yeah. ground, and
0: it was, I don't know, 75%, 25 75%.
1: I, no.
3: keep it was shocking how trash. many people keep them. Just...
1: I, no, it was shocking how many people talked. I was like, <laughs> what the heck are you all doing, people? Keep your stuff. Uh, well, you, clean,
0: uh, you, you keep your boxes, of course, Nick. I uh, mean, if you got a scratch yeah. on one of your Funko boxes, do you break down in tears, or do you just accept it and move on?
3: Oh, God, I don't care about the box condition. I have boxes of boxes. All my stuff is out of the box. Oh, okay. It's all on display out of the box. But I, a whole I, different I have type of collector. Boxes of boxes. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, the, the thing that always came up in that thread was like, well, if I want to resell it, and it's like, okay, yeah, you know, that is the, crux of it really but and that's probably why i keep all of my boxes too because you know if there's a flood or something i'm gonna have to sell but at the end of the day if something's got a ding in it i could care less
1: okay See, it's it's funny to me you say that though because you started out as this mint in package type collector exactly
3: yeah i needed to you be free. probably
1: very <laughs> very very cognizant and now it seems like you've kind of eased up on that a bit
3: oh god yeah absolutely
1: wow I'm so like the other day so I had a friend who helped pick up a few things from San Diego for me and um, some were the little resins from Chris and Amanda and they're little header card type situation. so bag with a little header card. and I tried to carefully like lift the staples up to undo it so that I can keep the header card or whatever. And when I was opening one of one of them, I slipped and creased the header card and <laughs> I was like, oh. No, I was like, "Oh my god!" I sent, I messaged Gary. I was like, "Gary, is it bad that it pains me that I just creased this header card <laughs> for eighteen dollar resin?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it was painful, and it's silly, but it's—I don't know—and I don't know. Like, I wish it, I wasn't that way, but I am, and I just can't help it. I uh,
0: there's I nothing wrong care, with but, it. There's absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with it. I mean, if you have the space to store the boxes, and I like the way you break them down. You, you know, kind of. You break them down. Yeah, you have a wow. box of broken down boxes. and we, we all have them. I think there's not one collector out there that, that says they toss every single box. We do yeah. have boxes in, in closets full of boxes for certain things. But I, I always just kind of point out last week, like, the blind box. I just, you know, it's it
1: just meh. it's. I know, but it's – and I will have to say, like, I know that one box I posted was pretty organized. It's probably a little bit of a <laughs> – I mean, yes, I have some organized stuff, but I'm not completely organized and I need to get better because I do have messy piles. I just, what I need to do really, because what I tried to do is I had originally started with these boxes, Gary, and I labeled them blind box, like broken down blind boxes. I'd have one for like header cards and bags, one for um, duplicates of blind boxes. I'd put in little baggies like i tried to get really organized but then over time my system kind of blew up and then i had pile over here and a pile over there so i it's bad right now
3: like, have you ever tried to find a specific box for a specific toy like one oh, my freaking oh nightmare. my
1: god <laughs> so yeah you'll go to resell something finally you're like okay i've had this for a while i'm good to sell it and then you go yeah i'll go through this moment where I'm like shit. I know I saved that box or had a card or whatever. I'll even remember because I save everything because I am a borderline hoarder. I'll be like, oh, that came with like a little certificate and a postcard and a numbered thing, and I'm pretty sure I kept those too. But because I'm a little disorganized, oh Jesus! Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> and there was even so there were a few things I had sold in that the Secret Waffle Group. And I swore, I was like, I know I have header cards. I know I have header cards. Could not find them. Mailed them out. A week or so later, I find the freaking header cards. Always. I actually ended up, I was, hey, I have your header card. I can mail it to you or save it or whatever. <laughs> but I was like, you might as well have it. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> that should be, we should do a little scavenger hunt, Gary. Oh. You should like name a toy and see how long it takes for me to go find it. So it oh my yeah. god! I could do that. <laughs> I like the time that. Of the
3: day.
0: No, I, I maybe not during a record, but I can do it on the weekend, and I can edit it all together and keep it nice and clean for the show. But, um, so mentioned, I you know the breaking down of the boxes and stuff. I never, I've always thrown out all my blind boxes, but now after seeing that thread that we put together. I've been collecting over 14 years now and I kind of wish I did keep a lot of my blind boxes, not, you know, one just from every series, you know, exacto knife that laid it completely flat, put it in like a three ring yep. binder. And that would have been a cool little archive to have because I do like the art of package design. I look like looking at thing, you know, layouts and compositions and colors and type fonts use and stuff like that. Yeah. So I think that would have been cool to keep,
3: but I didn't keep anything. Yeah. I throw away all my blind box boxes. You all I'm like hating. I don't even half the time I'm not even in the car by the time I'm opening them, <laughs> so I don't don't have time to. Now, are you gingerly. tearing?
0: Are you tearing them open like an animal, like I do? Just jab your thumb in there and rip it across. Yeah, nice.
3: Yeah, I don't. I do one clean rip, <sighs> selfie and all, right on the top uh, or bottom. Uh, it Doesn't matter. Awesome. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, Nick, Nick, you're hurting me. Uh,
3: I, I don't need oh, I mean, that extra 14 cents that i'm gonna get if i resell yeah, it, if i have the box <laughs> I,
1: I get it I, I i wish i could just say screw it but i can't and also like there is something fun about seeing the packaging i think especially if it's an older toy and i can't see it i, I like being able to get the packaging and see what it looked like and you know it's fun packaging is part of the experience for me so. yeah
3: no i agree i there's some great packaging out there but as far as Blind boxes go. I don't know. I I keep everything that's unique to the toy that it comes in. Actually, I have the the five points dunnies, Gary's five points dunnies. I'm pretty sure I still have those boxes, but that's simply because those are unique to those dunnies.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense.
3: But any other ones I toss. Any blind, truly blind bag ones I toss.
0: Now, Nick, going back to um, hype, and there's a company, you know, Super Plastic right now has a lot of excitement behind them. And they had a very successful Kickstarter campaign and they had like 3,600 backers. And people have said like that, that was not just funded by the designer toy community. And we had further reach than that. And we kind of speculated that Teresa and I, you know, Trish has seen in, in forums, we've seen Funko memes and stuff talking about, oh my gosh, you know, I thought I knew, I you know toys and then I discovered the world of designer toys and it was all because of the super plastic campaign. So I'm curious, like through your eyes and being so involved with the Funko community, like did you see many people talking about the super plastic campaign?
3: Did it seem Um, like
0: that was generating some good conversation in the Funko community?
3: To be honest with you, I think it was the only people that I saw talking about it were those that I know that collect designer toys already. I'm taking a look at, um, I'm taking a look at the forums right now because I know there was a thread about it, but I don't know how much traffic it actually got.
1: Interesting, Uh, though, that there was a thread about it. I mean, that's kind of cool.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there is a fair amount of non Funko talk that goes on on the Funko boards. Oh, what the hell? Janky is a hard word to search for because then you got people complaining about their janky this or janky that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's those fanatics that kind of bridge the gap between the two um, that were kind of into that. And, yeah, I don't know where those numbers come from. I would assume, you know, Kickstarter is a good platform for that, for getting stuff out, especially when it's like, you know, one of the top featured campaigns. People just go on it and see, you know, cool designs and yeah, go for sure. it.
0: And I, I so, couldn't go on Instagram or Facebook without seeing like a sponsored right. ad and stuff like that. So they sure. had a really good outreach. I just – For some reason, I was thinking that um, I know I saw some Funko collectors that are in my feed, like, you know, doing their renditions of Janky and kind of, you know, kind of pass along the message of check out this Kickstarter. So I know I'm not crazy in thinking that it was probably fairly supported by the Funko community, too.
3: Yeah. No, I I think so. Okay.
1: Yeah.
3: I I definitely saw
1: stuff, too, Gary. Because, like, when when it was going on, I love – I don't know if anyone else does this, but I, like – perusing hashtags on Instagram it's just something I like to do to dig in and see all sorts of stuff so when the super plastic Kickstarter campaign was going on I was digging into all their hashtags and just checking out especially when people are doing the design your own janky challenge
2: mm-hmm.
1: yep. and there were there were a lot of times I'd find one and it would be uh, I mean definitely a funko collector because the whole Instagram is all funko and then they'd have the janky and I'd be like okay cool like that means that more than likely this is a person who is just now finding out about this kind of stuff. So I, I definitely saw that. I mean, it's hard to know how much, like how widespread it was, but sure. That's how you, it, know, you know,
3: you know, what I think is also helping. I mean, along with the janky is uh, you've got a rash of uh, Funko artists that are starting their own kind of small designer toy companies or producing designer toys. I mean, you have Reese O'Brien who makes the tiny ghost, uh, whether or not you consider that in the you know community, it's a vinyl toy and it's you know not Funko, so it's it's kind of getting a draw that's bringing in people kind of from both ends. Um, and then um, there's another one, one more. Hold on a second, let me find what I'm talking about. You know,
1: about. Gary, I well, had a mind while, he, while Nick's looking this up, we should poke Greg. Be like, hey, Greg, where's your side projects? I, you know, I get yeah, he's busy, but I have to say, Greg, I really, really miss. All your little cute drawings and stuff. Although you did do the Mabs Drawoween, so you had a lot of little popsicles and whatever, but I miss his stuff, Gary.
3: Yeah, so we need great. a ham to ham collaboration, <laughs> I think.
1: Yeah, ham to
0: ham
3: collaboration. Yes. Yeah. Huh. I'll fund it and uh, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get it going. But, well, uh,
1: Greg, uh be like Reese. <laughs> start making side things, please. No,
3: but uh sh- Shanna Duncan was the other artist for Funko. She's got a, a new vinyl toy that's coming out and she's got a booth at DesignerCon. Um, oh, wait. So What's they, her toy? I'm not familiar with her. It's called Lucha Dog and it's kind of like a little luchador dog. Um, if you go on her Instagram, she's got it posted, uh, a vector of it.
1: Shannon it's Duncan?
3: Shannon Duncan Art. S H A N N A
1: shannon duncan true so
0: this is the one that i showed you we, we kind of speculate she was kind of the one responsible for designing tumblebee
3: yes yeah she's does a lot of the monsters and
1: uh, oh, okay oh, okay this it's not really for me this right. dog but it's cool
3: yeah no it's, so yeah get that hand-to-hand collaboration going
1: maybe we'll yeah. <laughs> maybe no well I mean, Nick, you've seen clearly Gary's a lack of lacking, so yeah, get on the phone.
3: <laughs> Give me that phone number for that factory in China, where the Whooper okay. Loopers.
0: Oh <laughs> uh, well, okay, that's in Japan, and that's a whole different story. I know, <laughs> but it's, it's it's guys, it's not without trying. I mean, there there are things in the works. There's probably two or three toys releasing by end of the year, but you'd be surprised at how many designs actually fall through and, and don't go through to fruition too. I think when I'm self-producing, you know, things, well, that's not true too. Cause I've had things that I thought I was going to self-produce that I never ended up self-producing that I would still like to, but you know, it's just sitting up on the shelf as a prototype. But, um, no, but we're also working with other companies. Sometimes you go through many different stages and things fall through or never come to fruition for whatever reason. But I can tell you that there is a, the mini whooper looper being produced by Pover. Hopefully that comes out around September or something like that. But as far as those other whooper loopers, I don't know if we're ever gonna see those. It's um, there's something going on in Japan, my original contact, it's it I can't really go into it, but I'm um, I'm I'm gonna have to go through a different channel. And um, it's been a little more difficult trying to dislodge that product. So I don't want to say it's never going to happen, but also I don't want to guarantee it's ever going to happen again. So anyone who is waiting on more Whooper Looper stuff and Fatty Whoopers, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know what to tell you. Gary, um, the Jaspers oh, with yeah. uh, with um Marcia Martian toys. James. I again, yeah. you know, we were five points fast. We saw them in hand, but. I haven't heard anything on it since Five Points Fest, so I don't know any release date or news on that either. It's just weird. Like you put all these things into into motion, and you just kind of gotta wait and see. But as far as self producing, I'm not. I'm really not self producing as much anymore. Now I'm kind of kind of you know putting stuff in uh, in other people's hands and hoping uh hoping for the best.
3: Yeah, I get it. No, uh, that makes sense.
1: I just like ripping into you, Gary. I know you're. <laughs> I in wish I, I wish I could. I wish
0: I do want to get back out in the garage, and I wish I had the time to to do more limited edition and small run stuff. But I, I made a choice. I enjoy doing the podcast, and I told you guys it takes ten to fifteen hours a week of my time. And um, I would say in the last two years, I chose doing the podcast over self producing. And I, I think if I want to get back to self producing. This is going to have to go to the wayside. And I think, Teresa, maybe that's where that comes in to where we discussed going bi-monthly. And maybe that, that week off, every other week, maybe I can get back to, to doing more designer toy stuff. Cool.
3: I, I do have –
1: yeah, I'm fine with that. As a listener, but, you know, deal.
3: I... <laughs> <laughs> my, biggest takeaway, not... my biggest takeaway is that Gary – told me that there would be more colorways of the Fatty Wooper, so I didn't buy the one from Five Points last
0: year. Oh, See, I'm sorry. I mean, (laughs) that makes me feel terrible, because it really is out of my control. No,
3: I get it. I get it. I'm just giving you a hard time.
1: What's funny, (laughs) now is because that thing took so long to get produced, because I remember, like, I would go through Instagram feeds and like dig deep and I found that thing and I was like, oh, where's this? How do I get it? And I'm like, it's still not made. And so when that baby came out, I had this feeling. I was like, who knows? It took so long for this one thing to make be made. Who knows if another will be made? I'm buying this thing. Like, <laughs> I am buying this thing. This is the time. This is my chance. So I'm so glad I did. But I feel so bad because I don't think you're alone, that there are people who either missed out or didn't get it who are probably sad to hear that there may never, ever be another Fatty Whooper.
0: (laughs) Well, I feel bad, but I don't want to ever say never, but I also don't want to tell anyone that another one is happening. I I did that with the first one. That was way too long of a wait. I know there were disappointed people that they didn't, you know, because we did such a small run. A lot of people missed out. So I don't um, want to guarantee anything. If we do end up having another colorway come out, you know, we'll give enough announcement ahead of time, but we're not going to definitely make any announcements until something is in hand and ready to sell. Right.
1: Yeah. Man. Okay. Anyway, I don't even know where we... <laughs> <laughs> where I don't even we? know how we got here. No,
3: Welcome you, guys are, you guys are doing a good job. I'm some also... Sometimes we just divert
1: I want to. I
2: steps, do but... want
0: to... I, I can say there are, there are new things coming out. I can't... You know... NDA, I have NDA agreements, I can't say anything, but I can guarantee you there is going to be probably three new releases before the end of the year's is out.
1: Ooh. Ooh,
3: there's not much left of the year. That's exciting. I know. Wait, I mean, now <laughs> those,
1: those three things, What do they include things you've already mentioned, or are we talking about three things you haven't
0: mentioned? Um, one I did mention. I am really hoping that the Mini Wooper Looper should be re- released by the end of the year. Um and I think the other two will be new to you.
1: Oh. All right, Nick. We've got some hope. Deal. There's some hope. We've got some, we've got some ham goodies coming our way.
3: Ham <laughs> goodies.
0: One of them is a very <laughs> is very spendy, so start saving your money
3: if Oh boy. If, if it's something you want. So some of oh, that we'll fun see. day stuff.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> you know, I'm curious. the the flippers and everything we were talking about, I know in the Funko community that bots is like a real thing. Like people literally creating computer programs to purchase items on their behalf. I've never heard of such a thing in the designer toy world where people get that into it. (laughs) But that's a problem in the Funko world, right? Like people are actually programming so that they can buy things like within a matter of seconds. Right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So there's, certain groups of people and call them like the supreme hype beasts right. sneaker flippers whatever you yeah. want to call them those guys the funko has definitely caught their attention because it's low investment because they're you know 15 10 to 15 bucks a piece and the funko shop uses shopify which is easily boughtable apparently according to these bot groups there's a lot of argument back and forth that it's a myth and that there's just that many people who want it, that they sell out in under a minute, but it's the, at the end of the day, there's proof that there's these flipper groups that are buying hundreds of stock and for resale. It's just kind of the norm now. So Funko Shop does a release every Wednesday at 7.30 Pacific time, and if it's pop, it'll sell out within five minutes. At Jesus. the very latest, Crazy. five minutes is a very high number. And, you know, usually it's a high ten to 20,000 stock. So it's not oh, like low dude. LEs.
1: Rapozoid. Gary, could you, could you imagine? Like, I'm actually, I could not imagine having to deal with that. Because, I mean, already it can be hard enough in the designer toy world to get a hold of things. Mm-hmm. To have to deal with, I would lose my mind. Like, I don't yeah. think I could do it.
0: Yeah, I'd have a tough time, in that would I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. But it's the same. I've heard, I've heard the term bots. I've heard the Mondo community has a tough time getting prints because of bots. And I've heard, I but I didn't know that bots were fully. I thought it was some sort of human control. I thought maybe it helped with the F five click and some refresh and stuff like that. But I didn't realize it was. You guys make it sound like something that's fully automated, fully computer controlled. They have your credit card. They can add things to the cart. They can check out. And to me, that's crazy. I've never heard of yeah. that. And if that's if that's what it is. I don't know how you compete with a computer. I I wouldn't like that. It's such an advantage. I I, I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all.
1: Right. Not that like we should be talk I don't even know really fully how it works, Gary, but just picture a computer programmer software where you've basically said, Hey, keep refreshing and checking this URL and once it's available, like the bot knows to add to cart, fill everything out, check out. Like you don't you literally say like, Hey bot run and you go do your thing. You go about your day.
3: And then to avoid the one per customer thing, these bots have virtual credit cards, which is a unique credit card number for every purchase, forwarding addresses and names. So it's, I don't know, it's a pretty robust system and, you know, kind of a beautiful mind scenario, but but it's, it's serious. Yeah, it's wild.
0: What you're saying is blowing my mind. I get so far out of my comprehension. Like, this is, it's too future. I, <laughs> I just can't, my mind can't get there.
3: Right, so... I don't know. They've tried to take means to combat it, but it's never. I don't know. They...
0: Right. I mean, it's un- it's unfortunate that it happens, but it's it's a good thing for Funko and Cause and Mondo and whoever else is having sure. to, to deal with you know this sort of reseller that's willing to go the distance and find ways to buy more of their product. I mean, it's, it's a great thing for them, but it sucks for us little people who just really just want to own something for our own collections. And so, unfortunately, it, it exists, sure. but. What are you going to do? They're always going to stay one step ahead of us.
1: Uh, I'm just glad that the bot issue has not really – I'm sure it, it exists in some fashion maybe in our – but I'm just glad it's not that – I mean, all y'all listeners, don't you get ideas? No one go out there and start bot communities. <laughs> <and> bot- <laughs> okay, people? Let's just not ruin our community. Thing. You got to do what you got to do. <laughs> no. No botting. Let's all just. I mean, there. Teresa, you're kind of a techie. You can learn this stuff. I am not. Okay, no. I am not going to cross against that. Your line. morals. Yes. My goody two shoes, Catholic raised self <laughs> will not go create a bot. I, instead, I mean, I will do my best. I'll set my alarms. I'll get on there. There are certain things you can do to at least better your odds.
0: Oh,
2: yeah. And I don't I mean, know if, if I want. I
1: mean,.
0: If you're ready
2: to
1: Maybe go. At... It
0: will be I, I think I just came up with a new game. A new game that we can play. It's gonna be called "How good of a goody two shoes is Teresa?" And I'll ask George and Jess questions like, um, "Teresa just went to Target and she was having all of her food ring up, and she noticed the guy forgot to scan the grapes. Would she tell the guy, or would she try to get away with five dollars of grapes? What do you think?"
3: Oh, she would tell him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh like yes, I would.
0: So <laughs> and let's say she did get away with it. She went home. Like it would eat at her so much that she would probably never actually eat a grape. And okay. like, she would just stare at them, and probably a week later return the grapes with the receipt and painful.
1: <laughs> Gary, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let it get
0: that far. <laughs> you would never get out of the store in the first place. <laughs> All right, so guys, we're running a little long. So before we wrap up, Nick, how about we do a round of lightning questions with you?
3: Sure. Okay. Sounds good.
0: Okay, so let's go Funko collection first. What is your prized possession Funko piece?
3: Uh, tch, tch, tch. um, it's probably uh, an LE thirty eight Amazing Carlos Spastic plastic, like back in the Mike Becker days when they were oh. making their original characters. Okay, um, it's it's a San Diego Comic Con exclusive from my God, two thousand nine. Okay, so way back, way back when. So that's probably no, oh, sorry, 2005. Even better.
0: Nice. In um, okay. designer yeah, toy so collection for, speaking.
3: What is it? Uh, probably that Halloween Whooper Looper. I mean, any of the Whooper Loopers are hard to get, but that Halloween one is is my special one.
0: Okay. What's your favorite childhood toy?
3: Favorite childhood toy. I had a sewer surfing Michelangelo Playmates Ninja Turtle that he had like sharks on the shoulder and he had a surfboard and he took that thing everywhere and then i bought rebought it for my kids and they don't care about it
0: oh god <laughs> i can relate i can relate i can totally relate to that they don't care about my old toys they don't even care about my new toys or my own toys yeah oh I you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite patrick swayze movie
3: uh point break
0: okay what Toy? Are you hoping to one day add to your collection?
3: Uh, that's freaking Strawberry Killcat by Andrew Bill. Really? I think we can work on that for you. Like- it's like four hundred bucks. I'm not paying that much for a forty dollars toy. Okay, you're out of the loop. I that's a know. tough
1: one. But, but I, I'll still keep my
3: eye. Yeah, I, I check, and I think the last one sold in March for or March or May for like three fifty. Woo! It's even harder because I had it in my cart. <laughs> Gary, I had it in my cart. What was the limited edition size on that? 50. 50. And I didn't know that until after it sold out. Well,
0: how yeah. many How many are being flipped? Does it just seem like majority of people that got it were flipping it? or? I, mean, I think
3: initially. Initially, that first month or two, a lot of people were flipping them. But at that point, I was like, no friggin' way am I paying that much.
0: You know what? Sometimes what happens, too, is – you don't intend to be a flipper. You don't intend to be a reseller. But eventually, it gets word to you that that toy that you spent fifty dollars on is being sold for four hundred, and you start thinking, "Huh? Do I?" Right. I, you know, oh, I, I could probably so? use that $400 more than I need this toy. And then next thing you yep. know, you're becoming that reseller. And I don't think there's anything mm-hmm. wrong with that. It's like I don't like the people that buy something and then sell it the next day with solely the intentions of selling it. But if you keep something for several months and you decide, you know, ah, I want to part ways and it was something that you really wanted, you didn't have an initial intentions to, to resell and, and do that, then I think that's OK.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's all a balance. We all do it. I don't think anyone should feel ashamed because everyone's done it. I feel like in some point or time, you have a thing you bought that got more valuable or what have you, and you think, do I need this thing? Maybe I don't, and you sell it.
0: It's a thing. I mean, it's <laughs> – Is that the biggest heartbreak you've had, Nick, is, try, is trying to acquire a piece?
3: Uh, for designer toys, yeah, probably.
0: Yeah.
3: Wow. I mean, it's not even that. not even that bad, but – It sucks to see the collection incomplete. And I'm not a completist, which is the shitty part about it. It's like, why do I care that much? But. Just the fact that I essentially had it in then i
0: That's the worst part because when, when something's in your cart, you feel like you already have it. It's in your possession. All you have to do is now just take 30 seconds to a minute to type in the remainder of your information. But when something's taken from your cart, that's like going to the grocery store and someone running by and stealing your grapes or something, you know. You're going to run them down, but you can't do that when it's in just the internet. You don't
1: know who they are.
3: Yeah, nobody holds cart, well, cart stock anymore. That's, no,
1: no that's one does. This is – this is what we were talking about, Gary. Like a lot of times with these things, you don't have time to think. You just have to do, and then suddenly you're like, "Oh, well, what did I do?" Like <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> I just bought that thing. I hope I, I hope I like that thing. Or it sounds or, too stressful. It's, it's hard, Gary. It's hard.
0: I, I know a lot of people out there have their, their credit cards memorized and they're good to go, or copy pasted in. I guess you really need to do whatever you need to do to to shave time. Chrome
3: autofill. Yeah, I mean, it's your friend.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, you can definitely do some things. Be ready on the site. If there's a, like, I'll pre-log into PayPal or, like Mick said, make sure my address information is saved so I can just auto-fill it in. If you need to log into the site ahead of time because it's required, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to try to help like there's times where I'll debate between my laptop and my phone see which one seems to be running better or quicker or like play with the (laughs) checkout process and see if it's shorter (laughs) on the phone I mean there's things Gary and and there's a thing like when I talk about you talk about me being an addict I'm like no sometimes you really just have to be dedicated and I am not that way in the Funko world because I own some Funko things but like I feel completely out of the loop but in the designer toy world I've gotten in the know like I feel like I've worked and researched and figured certain things out and I'm sure that's the same way in the Funko community too but like sometimes you gotta if you want to be able to get the thing you gotta put in the time to figure out the best way to do it it's
0: it's hard work being a collector i mean it's, in some cases this is a part-time job acquiring what you want you're, you're following the toy blogs you're listening to podcasts and that's just the designer toy scene trying to stay on top of stuff and following instagram accounts and oh yeah you know, the, the whole the whole algorithm thing of instagram really screwed with people's lives and yep. uh and then i can't imagine trying to do it as a fungal collector nick i mean trying to stay on top of their releases and knowing what stores carrying what i mean you really gotta stay on top of stuff there and being a collector, is, it's not easy.
1: Oh, yeah. Gary, it's so bad. I have the new release tab for my plastic heart always on my computer, and I refresh it every now and again throughout the day. <laughs> no joke. But, like, literally, all I have certain tabs open, and every now and again, like, I check them.
0: Which I get because you were mentioning earlier, like, sometimes my plastic heart just drops things spontaneously. And I'm, right. I'm sure you, you've you missed things in the past, so they're partially responsible for your craziness. <laughs> Out of curiosity, I mean, how often does it happen where you're surprised by a refresh?
1: Uh, I mean, it happens d- decently often, enough that I feel like I need to do it. Like, hmm. it, Obviously, some of the stuff he stocks isn't uh, like a seedless, you know, a toy that I know is like, oh, shit moment. And like, oh, God, I got to buy this because, you know, he, there's a gamut of stuff. Mm-hmm. That he sells. Yeah. But the other day I refreshed, and he had a new blind box series, the Sony Angels, that are the summer series, and they're really cute because the little peepees are hidden with swim shorts, and they have little penguin hats.
3: <laughs> I was hoping I prefer... that I'd be on an episode <laughs> that mentioned.
1: Yeah. So we no privates. We got we got the cover up. But anyway, I was like, shoot. I had been thinking I wanted that series and not budgeting for it, and I'm like, crap. And I know I have a little bit more time on this one, but still, I'm like ah, oh, shit, like I want those. Do I buy them? What do I do? So now it's just every now and again, something pops up and you're like, crud, I want that. What hmm. do I do? I just bought
0: X. I mean, I don't know if everything's a surprise, but you guys stay on top of people's newsletters that might mention stuff there. Now there's Instagram. Wait. I don't really pay that much attention to Instagram stories, but I'm starting to catch on that now yeah. they're just releasing stuff only through Instagram stories and not through actual Instagram feeds. Like, there's just so many ways to miss out on things now. And I just... I'm not staying on top of everything as much as I probably should. And like I said, it's, it's a full-time job being a collector or at least it's it's a good part-time job.
3: It's hard. The biggest, the biggest adjustment that I had was the the idea of lotteries like that was, mm. that threw me off when I first started. And I think I was trying to buy candy, Bolton's back Kujira for the longest time. And a lot of them were just being sold through lottery through her, through someone else. And mm. finally, I got one just through like randomly seeing a post
1: on oh, nice.
3: you know, her website or not her website, but her Instagram and got one of the, the orange colorways, but it was just like, that was, that's such a different concept that like, a just putting your name in a hat to be able to buy something. Mm-hmm. It's just well, what is, different.
1: Well, yes. You know, talking about lotteries, do you love them or hate them? Because I go both ways. Cause in some ways I feel like at least it gives me a chance on things that I feel like I may have had a really hard time to obtain, but other times it's like, damn it. I just want to buy it. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, no, I, I've, same way. Like uh, that mommy, the big Orca, however big that oh, yeah. thing was, I put in for that and I didn't get it. And after not getting it, I was like, yeah, it's probably good. I probably didn't need that. But like, if I got it, I would have bought it. So, y- you know, it gives you it's kind hard. of that back out, I suppose. So, uh,
1: but it, it's also the heart—the heartbreaking moment. So, like, I have—I've entered some instinct toy lotteries, and they had the chocolate erosion mollies and the mini mm-hmm. molly, and I really liked them. And of course I entered and didn't win and it's like ah oh, like it sucks because I really wanted it and I can't get it and now if I wanted to buy it, God knows what price I'd have to pay. So it's a blessing and a curse I think. It's nice that it even's the playing field, but at the same time it's a bummer when you can't get a hold of something that you really really wanted. Sure. So anyway, we we were kind of in lightning round Gary and then kind of got out of it. <laughs> uh, I don't have I'm out of questions. I think we're good. Wait, we'll do one more. Let's see. If you had to pick a favorite ham, Greg or Gary, who would it be Nick? Oh, oh
0: boy. You can't
3: put you can't oh, put brother boy. against brother. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't. Pick Greg. Pick Greg.
3: I mean I've met Greg in person. So You know what? I, I have
0: I have the looks. <laughs> Go ahead and pick Greg. Uh,
3: maybe it was Gary. I don't know. Wait <laughs> wait, who was signing at that ID oh
0: that was greg that was that was Craig. Craig. that would be greg
3: i was just doing the old classic twin removal
0: now yeah weird.
3: no i can't pick that's ridiculous it's i'm like just saying messing. which one of my favorite kids
1: i was just throwing a hard one in
0: there. teresa who's your favorite
1: greg obviously i don't like you mm. right now
0: yeah i know you're in the anti club Here. as of this morning yeah. i'm gonna have to dig my way out of this i didn't even do anything that bad i think you, i, got, I you, got the short I end of the stick why. on this one i think you were just in the mood you, this morning and it carried throughout the oh, day Oh, don't
1: you dare bring my emotions into this gary you didn't <laughs> even apologize you pushed a button and you didn't even care so
0: because <laughs> nah. i didn't because i didn't know like the problem is nick is i didn't know i pushed a button i'm very you, i'm yeah, very well. sarcastic in my text and every once in a while and she responds in certain ways with like you know, bitmojis and stuff like that. I'm like, I can't tell if she's upset with me or not. So then I keep kind of, I keep poking and then I realize like, oh, she really
1: was Love serious.
0: So yeah.
1: It's okay, Gary. I think this podcast has been a little therapeutic. I'm a little less mad. So I forgive you.
0: You just need to hear my voice. I've, I've upset a lot of friends <laughs> through, through my written word. And I think if people would read my written word, how I would say it, they would... Interpret it in a completely different way. It's it's very
1: hard. Well, (laughs) uh, no, it's it's hard when we talk sometimes because I know you are sarcastic and I can be sarcastic, too. And a lot of times, Nick, when we're talking, we are being like absurd back to back and forth. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just it it rubbed me and I was like, eh, screw it. I'm not talking (laughs) to you. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, let's virtual hug, Teresa. Let's hug it out. Virtual
1: hug. Okay, All so right. I guess, Gary, you can be my favorite ham. Sorry. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Well, Nick, thanks
0: for joining. I know it's been a long time coming. We, You know, you were moving the, when we first invited you on. So thanks for uh, being patient with us when we finally got you on. I think it was fun.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hopefully one day we can uh, actually meet in person, maybe a designer toy convention and not a pop culture convention.
3: Oh, yeah, maybe. One day.
0: Speaking of which, anyone who's not familiar, I know we haven't been doing Lease and Sneak peeks recently, but news on Five Points Fest has come out. It's going to be at the same venue as last year, and it's going to be Saturday and Sunday, June 1st and June 2nd. So mark your calendars. So Nick, Teresa, this is a wrap. Why don't you each take a moment and let people know where they can find you. Nick first.
3: Uh, You can find me on Instagram. It's collector.badger, and you can see all my Funko slash designer toy posts okay. maybe i'll even put both in one
0: but you're also on the
3: marsham toy hour
0: group page it's called, we call it the, the stomping ground but anyone who's not familiar you can go on on facebook and search marsham toy hour and there you go you can click the um the member button answer three simple questions and and you're in so you can find nick there also he goes under his name nick aliota
3: oh he messed it up again
0: how did i mess it up <laughs> Nick Aliota. It's Al-
3: not Aliotta.
0: Ollie, it's Allie. Allie. Nick Aliota. Not Ollie. Allie.
3: Yeah. Correct. Thank right. you, Teresa. I'm
1: not even going to bother. <laughs> I'm here for you, Nick. <laughs> I know.
3: I appreciate it. Trace, where can even people though find I give you? you a hard time on the stomping ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: She's a good sport. Yep. All right, Teresa, where can people find you?
1: If y'all you want to find me, check me out on Instagram. Um my username is TM Hawk 24.
0: And I'm Gary Ham. You can find me at Gary Ham on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the March Toy Hour. We're going to start doing this every other week, not because we have to.
3: But because but we because want to.
2: because we want to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nick joined. <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah. We got participation. Yes. In your face, George.
1: <laughs> That's a first. I am proud.
0: So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye yay no one's ever joined in (laughs) well i heard the pause
3: and i didn't know what was happening is that the first
1: time yes no one else has ever joined in with me when i say that that's the first i can remember nick's a true
0: fan Oh, oh
1: yeah